0: Relationship. Relationship. Relationship.
1: relationship, you guys, thank you so much. Welcome to
2: Relationship. We are, we're so happy for you guys to be here uh, at Come and Take It Festival. Um, We are recording live and we are very happy to have you all here.
1: I'm going to move so I can see Emma. Yeah. Um, You guys, this is uh, a podcast that I started with OHA called Relationship because I am almost exclusively in relationships, not the poop kind, but the poopy kind. Um, so it's just a weekly thing where we get to talk about boys and love and friendship, and then we just interview our friends. So I think today we scored a big one with <laughs> Emma Arnold. Um, this is her right here. Say hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Wave. Isn't she pretty? That's the most important. <laughs> big thing. one. I
0: love that you. I am not a big one, but that's so sweet. I feel big right now. That makes me so happy. So you are a erotic former erotic. Yeah, I, uh, I'm an author, and I used to write erotica. That was how, uh, when I first got divorced, how I supported myself and three kids, actually. Pretty classy stuff. And you're then... A, you're a beekeeper. I'm a beekeeper, yeah. Okay. Third generation, guys, not to brag, but... <laughs> and a top badass comedian. Thank you, yeah, and also a top badass comedian. Yeah. Also third generation. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> you are... Not married. You're divorced. I'm divorced. Yeah. I have a, a boyfriend. We live together and we're raising the kids. I say husband on stage because sometimes in the Midwest, people, the crowd gets super gaspy. If I say that my boyfriend and I live together, like, whoa, whoa. whoa. You know, so I just, but we're, we're not married. How long have y'all been together now? Uh, we've been together uh, like three, year, three years now. And he has three children for real? Yeah, he does. You I- guys, six kids
2: in that house. <laughs> yep. Do you guys have any animals?
0: Uh, we have two dogs. We have a, a fat dachshund and then a one-eyed chihuahua. <laughs> so. And then
2: also, I don't know, one million bees maybe? Is yeah. That... Uh, well,
0: no, actually, probably about, let's see. I, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know how many bees. What's eight times four? Just <laughs> somebody do that real quick for me. Eight times four? 320,000 bees is my Whoa, estimate. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bees. Do you name them ever? Uh, and we've had named the hives before. Oh, Like okay. to keep track so that you know like which ones you fed and stuff so we've... Uh, you know, we'd be like, oh, yeah, take that one out to Angry Girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stingy, stingy McFucks a lot. Do all the kids put on the whole suit? Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, four child-sized suits. And uh, my kids come out with me and they collect swarms and they, they do all the beekeeping stuff. So, What's a, sw- a swarm? Yeah, a swarm is uh, just a ball of bees, like in a tree or somewhere. That's how they, like, reproduce <laughs> uh, right. a hive. is like the one they split in a hive and the old bees take off and That's the newbies Stacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and so we well, go gather those up. I belong to like a group that because that happens every spring we get hundreds of calls and people will just spray them and kill them which is a really bad idea cuz they have like survivor genetics which we want. So I'm I'm on a list and I get calls from like the city and 911 and stuff and they'll be like somebody has bees all over their car and I go and collect the bees. Wait, so are you guys are bees dying? Bees are dying. Is that yeah, a bad it's thing? a very big deal. Um people maybe don't like you've probably heard about like uh, colony collapse disorder and there's a there's actually a lot of things killing bees right now I have friends who are commercial beekeepers so the most I've ever had is 20 to 40 hives right now I only have eight actually um but I've had friends who've who've lost like 7,000 hives in a year in one winter oh so it's very very serious um
1: speaking of serious do you guys ever fuck with your bee costumes on <laughs> no I would that I would keep like the head waiting to happen <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> like a furry but like a yeah bee. but like you know we haven't i feel like i would be into that and my boyfriend would be like please don't make me into this
1: we'll try it now but think <laughs> of us
0: you know Babe, i want to try something a little new
1: um okay so i want to tell you guys what happened to me outside i told emma a little bit before i think i'm like i think very highly of myself <laughs> the come and
2: take it poster just fell down it's the ghost of <laughs> i just I had like... to tell everybody what happened on the podcast They're going to hear like a weird peeling noise, and I just want to make sure everybody's informed.
1: (laughs) So I think very highly of myself. I think
2: think very highly of you as well. Thank you.
1: Last night I was drunk, and I was like, I'm a high bitch here, right? Well, today I kind of thought the same thing about myself, and I sat outside by myself just before this to, because I'm nervous. And these guys across the street at a bar, these bros, they start going, hey, and they're like, we love you, like singing to me, looking right at me. And then I thought, oh my God, fucking losers, like whatever. And then I, behind me is other bros and they were singing to them a soccer <laughs> chant.
2: Not to me, they didn't care. I think that it takes guts to think that it comes to you. <laughs> like, I, If I'm walking down the street and I hear like a, a <whistles> right, I wanna know that it's me. Like I have this feeling inside of me where I'm like, I know it's me. Like I know they're whistling at me. And then I have this sort of, like, desire to turn around and, like, meet my fan, kind of. (laughs) But then simultaneously I have this feeling, like, if I turn around, the love will be gone. Like, I'll discover that it's not for me Mm -hmm. and that they're just whistling you at just, somebody else yeah and really what i am is i'm basically fantasizing about cat calls which is like <laughs> the worst thing right it's a step down from a rape fantasy i know it's so bad <laughs> it's so
1: bad it sets us back it but does also kind of sexy that.
0: oh it's yeah so you bad. always do have a mixed feeling like uh my sister is gorgeous she's like has double d boobs she's blonde and she's just totally beautiful and we were walking together downtown and this guy pulled up next to us in a car and he was like He's like, yeah, you're fucking hot. And I looked over and he goes, not you. <laughs> I pointed to my sister. And I was like, oh, hey. And then I was like, you shouldn't catcall women, buddy. But really, I was a little like, come on. Yeah. Come on,
1: man. One time a guy catcalled me just recently outside of my work. And he said, nice tits. And I didn't know what to say. So I go, they're all nipple. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. They, they are. All yeah,
2: nipple. I got catcalled by a Hispanic man. And he said, oh, He called me like a gordita linda, which is basically like (laughs) a pretty little fat girl. (laughs) And I literally was like, I mean, it's true. It's like I'm all of those things, except for little. But that was like, you say little how you say like honey, you know? It wasn't really like a a full cat call there. I
0: love Hispanic men because even when I was nine months pregnant... And, like, at my just almost uncomfortable and sweaty, they would always catcall me and whistle me still. And I'd be like, bless you. (laughs) Bless your heart. Because I was just so uncomfortable and He knew you were down to fuck. He was like, look at that. He was like, look at you. You're super fertile. This this lady is
2: the one that's going to pay attention to me. (laughs) And you'd keep it. So, which they want.
0: Yeah. You know? I'm, Yeah.
1: Wait, so uh, can we talk about, just speaking of men just hitting on you all the time, you get a lot of internet, I was trying to read do, all yeah. about it today, trying to piece it together, can you just tell the seven people that are watching, <laughs> just like, what is going on right now?
0: Yeah, so I I mean, I get hit on on the internet kind of constantly, and you know, it's a, it's a weird thing, because people are always like, well, yeah, but you're a public figure, and I'm like, well, actually, my job is to be funny, not to be sexually harassed professionally, yeah. like... It's not actually part of my, my job description, weirdly. Uh, but recently I had a guy, he messaged me on Facebook this really gross message about, uh, how, he, was a, he was like, hey, if I had a daughter, I'd basically murder her so she wouldn't have sex. You can keep that. That's a free joke for you. And I was like, ah, Ugh. gross, why are you sending me that? And then it turned out like that was kind of hit, like he was trying, he was like, I'm just trying to make small talk, you know, I think you're attractive, and I was like... That was his opener. Oh, that's a, not a good way to hit on women, man. I'd like- kill my fucking daughter if she got <laughs> dick. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> oh, right. I, uh, I got Where a man
2: who, uh, he added me on, uh, no, wait, that's not a real thing, on OkCupid. You don't add people on there. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm confusing the social media platforms. I um, He added me and his handle was... Um, it was a uh, lone shooter and i just was like okay i guess i'm going to have this dude cuz i just wanted to see what the hell was up with his life
0: i imagine that he's only ejaculated once that's his <laughs> lo- just-
2: oh goddamn that's why you're so funny the one lone shooter
0: but what do they they har-
1: they don't just leave you alone but you post it which yeah, i think is
0: fucking brave yeah i um, and i'm pretty public with the fact that if you do if you send me weird shit online i'm going to post screenshots of it and so, I posted screenshots of the kind of ensuing conversation um, where he kept just being like doubling down and basically being like, no, it's really funny to kill your daughter. I would mutilate her genitals so she didn't have sex. I'm like, whoa, dude, no, stop. <laughs> I keep going. So, I posted the shit and, he, and, then, and I told him like, I'm blocking you on Facebook, but I'm posting this. And he contacted me and was like, and he found my email, my professional email uh-huh. and started writing me emails and being like, take this down. You're really, hurt, you know, you're you're hurting. You're gonna hurt my career. You're gonna make me lose my job. And I was like, Nah, bro, that's you. Yeah, uh, that's what you did. And he was very upset. Um, and and I just I wrote him back a very like thoughtful, succinct letter about what it feels like as a woman to like. I receive thousands and thousands of uh, contact like of, of emails and stuff like that a year, just randomly sexually harassing, gross, weird shit. And I was like, You know, as a as a woman, I, I wrote him back like an actually thoughtful like. And my plan was if he was like, oh, shit, and got a little woke from it, then I would take it down. But he was just like, you're so fucking mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You said in there, my favorite
1: part, first of all, I like that you said it was nice. You started with like, hey, dummy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Hey, dummy. But you put in the end, why don't you do what women have done for like
0: years? Well, it's it's actually a, a, it's from a joke that I do uh, because I recently, when I was um, in Kentucky, I had a guy come up to me. And he was like, um, I don't like how many F words you're using on stage. If you were my doll- daughter, I'd paddle your little ass and wash your mouth out with soap. And oh, I was like, no. Oh, God. And so I, I said to him, I was like, you know, maybe you should try doing something women have been doing very successfully for millennia. And just shut the fuck up. <laughs> just That's try good. that on for size. So I told the guy, this guy the same thing. And he wrote back that I was very mean.
1: I thought that I've been called mean by men so many times. I've only posted twice when guys have not attacked me, but, or said something. I was reminded yesterday by a comedian here, because it was a comedian that did it to me, who wrote, I didn't want to kiss him in the gym one time. He like, tried to publicly kiss me in the gym. <laughs> and I, I think he's gross. You and, bitch! Yeah, and he called me a cunt on there because I didn't want to see him. So I only cropped out half of his name because I didn't want to be a full on bitch to him. And uh, I posted it on there. And then another guy wrote me just attacking me, telling me I hope you feel good about yourself and I'm like, I don't ever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. The fall- the weird follow. So this guy I I was like, I'm not taking it down. You know, um you'll just have to live with kind of the consequences of being shitty to women on the internet. There uh, turns out there's consequences now. Very new. Um but he started having his friends message me on Facebook and I started getting like this onslaught of messages from people he had asked to message me and they were like and I, they were like he might lose his job and I'm, it's not like I contacted his employer keep in mind like I just posted it on my wall I don't we don't have friends in common really well, I mean we had some but like 50 out uh-huh. of 5,000 you know so um, <laughs> They were like, Come, he's gonna lose his job. So I happened, I was like, well, what is his job? So I unblocked him long enough to look, and he's a, te- he's a swim coach for teenage girls. Ooh, wow. And I was like, no, maybe you should lose he that. He should guy. lose. I would con. <laughs> yes. Oh my Gross. God. Um, I feel like.
1: Was he British? Nope. <laughs> or no. San Franciscan. Because he spells, I know. <laughs>
2: we on have her. british people in the audience that who are like british. sorely offended by
1: <laughs> hey uh, most of my friends are here would you guys ever harass a woman on the internet for me no it's silent you yeah it's silent no. we've got no? good friends who what kind of do-
0: they oh, said that they do you. it for
1: you Stacey. who the fuck would do that for their friends if somebody was-
0: asked me to i'd be like oh oh, I want oh and the best part the best part was one of them said i'm sending you this privately so don't post it publicly it's not what? real. No, come on. I'd already. We're not in a social contract mm-hmm. where because you sent me something on Facebook, I can't fucking publish it. If you say Shame anything
1: remotely shitty or funny, I screenshot it and I will post it at any time. I have screenshots yeah. from everybody in here, and I could use them against them at any time I want.
2: Yeah, you said it to me. I own it. You put it on social media or and text put it whatever. Out, uh, t- my dad always said he, he's like, you're you're the owner of what you keep in a... and like the servant of what you reveal. And Mm. I think that that's exactly what they're doing. They're just like, it's not like they think that they have the security of it being private or that there's like some anonymity involved. But the reality is when you uh, like aggressively pursue people or are a dick about shit, and you've now revealed a portion of yourself with your name behind it. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You yeah. put it out in the universe and now people can do whatever the fuck they want. Well,
0: with it. and even having a bunch of your dude friends message me is something like, you're still doing it. Like I shamed you for, for harassing me online. And now you're having your friends be like, don't you feel guilty? Don't you feel really bad? Don't you feel, come on, come on, be a person. He's be like, a human. I apologize. Like, yeah. He apologized. I'm like, no, he actually didn't ever apologize. He just said, you're mean. But wait, are you ever scared, honestly, when you go? Like, cause the, your tour dates are online. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, there have been times where somebody's harassed me online, and I, when I showed up somewhere, I was scared and worried that somebody might hurt me. You know, and uh-huh. um, one of the scariest ones was I had a harasser who was from my hometown, and um, he came to a show and he sat in the front row and harassed me through a show. He but, was, like, but, heckling oh, you yeah, while not, you were doing the show. not negatively. Like, he's he loves me, and he's always, like, kind of posting. Like, are you, I'll block people if they're inappropriate, but he's, like, kind of borderline. But he came to the show, sat in the front, was like, I love you. I think you're amazing. You're so great. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to be a skin suit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: <laughs> There's something about, like, this very, because I understand the line of, like, liking somebody and then wanting that person to like you back. But then there's this little line where, like, rejection is not something that, like a lot of people are used to mm-hmm. or like the failure of going up to a woman or a woman going up to a man or whatever you know thing you want to use there's there is a fear of rejection but the reality is of the acceptance of it is what allows you to move on and have like a seriously normal life but the part where you like don't accept rejection that's the part when it gets so fucking creepy mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I, I find that, I mean, in my life, mostly what I've done is like, oh, I'm going to go get a condom and then I don't come back. That's what I do. I'm like, I'm never coming back. I'm never going back to that room. But like, if they, but if they, like, if they know your social media page, if they know your friends, if they know your family, there's such a, uh, it's like a little cycle or a little habitat that you can't escape.
0: Yeah. So, it was, it was scary because it was in my hometown and, You know, it's like I I face that on the road, but it's still kind of anonymous, you know. Or like like I I travel with Jeff Tate, who's wonderful, and he's bounced people from the show who show like they've harassed me, like and like threatened me online, and then they've shown up to shows, and he'll be like, get the fuck out of here, and they do because he's a big dude. But then to have it like right there in my hometown was just like, oh god, this is really different. It is it is funny. Like um like one of the things that was the weird fallout. When I posted my, because I posted my response to that guy and was like, just sort of push this out there. And this is my response to everybody who messages me like this from now on. Um, I got like these positive responses from fans who were like, oh my God, you fucking shut that guy down. I love you so much. Uh, Come sit on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. You gotta try. You gotta try. I appreciate (laughs) the way your feminism
2: (laughs) applies to everyone but me
0: so tiring because I was like you love what I do I love the way you shut these motherfuckers down I love how, how strong and like what an independent woman you are come sit on my face like oh god okay so can yeah. I tell you
1: that being an independent woman in the real world never gets you
2: sitting on some guy's face <laughs> they don't like it they don't really want you to be that way I'm sure that there's a BuzzFeed article that says like independent strong-willed woman never get this laid. independent
0: woman sat on a face you'll never believe what happened
2: next <laughs> that's an elite daily article actually
0: <laughs>
1: And it's just about Kegels. Um, is your boyfriend, you said like woke, is he, is he down with all this? Is he actually like supportive of all of this, like your feminist trailblazing? He is.
0: Um, when we first met, because we were friends for a while first, and um, there were a couple of things when we were just friends that I was called him out on and was like, you're really fucking sexist and you don't know it. And you're otherwise, you know, he's, he's really intelligent. He's really a, a, like an otherwise very progressive dude, but he had a few things where I was like, you don't understand how sexist that thing you're doing is. And at first, you know, I think he has the reaction, a lot of people do when you're like, you're sexist, you're racist. They're like, fuck you, I'm not sexist, bitch. You know, <laughs> 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 I get a lot of those responses. Um, but I think he, he did eventually change a lot of behaviors in the way he treated women. And we've had a couple of fights where he's been like, you know, you, you shouldn't call people, you know, you shouldn't, Uh, this was a while ago, but like when I first started being more vocal as a comedian, um, about women's issues, he would be like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like push back. You shouldn't, you shouldn't fight back because you get so much harassment. Like you should just be quiet. And I'd be like, fuck you. That's so fucking sexist to tell me to be quiet. Because you're like, but I also understand from a, he sees the toll it takes on me. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want you to be sad, you know, and upset about what people say to you. So he, but he's a very progressive guy. And I think, um, I think that like really people don't understand that when you, when you confront someone about being sexist, you're not like, you're the worst fucking person in the world. It's like the, whether or not you're like a misogynist is if you stop and you look at that behavior and you address it, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, you can be a really good person who does fucked up stuff. Um, but, but you know, you have to make a change and you have to be able to always be self-aware and kind of examining your behavior. So, like, I'm from fucking Idaho. I'm sure there, like, there have been times where somebody was like, hey, that's racist, babe. That's racist. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry.
2: I moved here uh, from Venezuela, and I have the exact same, the first three years were a fucking mess. Yeah. Of me being here. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was. You can't uh, say that word. It was a <laughs> lot of, like,
2: getting zapped by people, like, with their eyes, and emotionally shut out mm-hmm. by American people. But that's just a, yeah. it's a, it's kind of like a, it, what you're describing is uh like, ignorance versus, like, acknowledging that there are yeah. some things that you don't know and that you don't understand and that you have to sort of aspire to. Mm-hmm. But but the reality of, like, looking at yourself is not a practice that I think a lot of humans engage in really often. I think it feels, like, hard and mm-hmm. it's and it usually comes with a lot of, uh, you know, it usually comes with the fact that you have to separate your ego from the mistakes that you make so that you're not a shitty person. You're in yeah. a bigger boat. You're... You're actually a kind person because you can look inside and figure out how to be better. It's so,
0: I I feel like over and over I tell people about numerous subjects. Like um, we need to be able to have this conversation and admit we're imperfect. Like you need to be able to be like, we have problems as a society. It's okay that we're not perfect in Mm -hmm. these things yet. Like we're evolving. Like I think if you can just have a lot of times just a conversation about what the behavior is, where it comes from, how to address it calmly, if everybody can sort of just be respectful and be like, oh, I hadn't thought of that before instead of being like, You don't know me, motherfucker, you know. It's yeah, you I just can think keep it that way. It's hyped right
1: now. Like mm-hmm. we're we're all talking about it. It's a lot. We're talking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of my conversation with friends, with girlfriends, with guy friends. But I just think it's like a little bit overwhelming. But I am somebody who's like super interested in changing myself, like being better or like if I think I'm a piece of shit, how do I change it or something like that? Um, We talked a little bit outside about this, and I think, is this why you're so open to it? You're in a 12-step, is it a 12-step program? Yeah,
0: Yeah. I've been in a 12-step recovery um, group for about three years. Uh, Not AA, actually, but I'm I'm not really supposed to publicly talk about it, but we'll say it's Uh sex-related. But it's a 12-step recovery group, and it's been enormously helpful for, um, I I think, for seeing both sides of the coin, for Mm -hmm. seeing... um, like sexual abuse sexual assault sexism from both sides from both sides of the equation um and seeing that for the most part like you have a lot of victims you know you have victims on both sides you have people who were abused very badly as kids or who had really fucked up childhoods like I don't feel like the people who do a lot of the a lot of the (laughs) really gross sexist things to me like I don't feel like they're bad people Mm -hmm. it's just if you don't know anything else, you're like, what? This is what we do. And, and if nobody's calling you out, when one person does, you're like, no, we have a system here. You know? You're know. you the only weirdo who hates it. So, I just think that because I'm in a
1: 12-step thing too, half-assed, like totally bad about being in it. But it's all about like examining every behavior. Mm-hmm. So even since I've joined, but even before that, just like ex- every little thing that I do, I'm like, why did I do that? What hug did I not get as a child to like lead me to this? And then I see that in everybody else, like every guy, every female that is ignoring like any sort of issue, you
0: know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I feel like um, one of the most beneficial things I've gotten from the program is uh, the ability to examine my own behavior, my own part in things instead of when I have resentment towards someone, I, I I'm automatically now kind of go like, yeah, but what's your part in this, you know? And I think seeing that, like seeing that people fall into roles that they're used to playing and... Um, it can be very habitual, and so kind of knowing, like, like I'm a terrible enabler, and so whenever I have a run-in with somebody, I'm like, what am I enabling here? Like, you're being a dick to me, but I'm also allowing it, because on some level, I love it. Have (laughs) you ever read that book,
2: Codependent No More? Oh,
0: yeah, it's great. Yeah, Yeah, it's great, yeah. (laughs) I find that, like... To me,
2: like that's where comedy comes from. You know what I mean? And like examining examining your own behavior, figuring out motivations behind what you're doing, like figuring out why the hell people are doing what they're doing and then calling it out in a way that feels Uh, unique or surprising to people I I mean I think that that is in essence comedy and I think they're so related to like all the shittiness and all the goodness Um, and I find that when you engage people who are willing to or who are unwilling to talk about those kinds of things in regular settings when you introduce comedy into the game there's something I don't know it just opens people up to the the shittiness within themselves and then it doesn't feel so like brazen it doesn't feel like you're directly attacking people
1: yeah is that what you do do you just like laugh at like or have to laugh at like the shitty things that you've done in your past to like get to this
0: yeah thing? I think um so much of comedy is about being willing to be really vulnerable and be really open about your major flaws because we don't do that a whole lot especially I don't know I mean we've always been like that especially if you're from the midwest you know <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> um, bury it but like you just yeah you just bury things and I think Um, you know a lot of comedy is like just be for me my a lot of my comedy is examining my worst behavior and then just being really honest about it and I you can feel a crowd like kind of sink into that feeling and be like oh us too us too you (laughs) know and I think that's why a lot of the most popular comedians have been very flawed as people you know um, when somebody's shocked that a comedian is a monster I'm always like why (laughs) there's a reason why we're super funny and it's because we're you know, I think it's a coping mechanism for being probably the most damaged. And the, I think the more damaged you are, a lot of times, the more funny you are. So being willing to be like, yeah, here's where I fucked up, I think gives people the license to be like, yeah, okay, me too.
1: Yeah, I still get sad, though. Like, there's a comedian that I think is so funny, and Oha told me about stories of him, like, harassing women and coming on very strongly. It makes me sad, still, that they, they're so progressive on stage, but still being assholes, or I, women being bitches, like, just yeah. different things are so funny on stage and fuck, they let me down.
0: Well, I think we all have a disconnect between who we want to be and who we are. And um, I think when you hear about, you know, I mean, this is, I won't say Cosby because that's like the most extreme case, but when you hear about it, <laughs> oh, that's maybe too far. Um, <laughs> When you hear about a comedian who is a feminist, and it's really common, a super feminist on stage and then privately has these behaviors that are very harassing and very diminishing to women, um, I, I do f- sometimes have empathy for that because a lot of times those people are compulsive, addictive people who are doing a lot of things that they don't want to <laughs> be doing, including the way they treat the people around them. You know? and, and so I, I probably have more empathy often than I should for the fact that like, you, want, you, have ba- you have wreckage in your past you know like I have a lot of wreckage in my past of of being the person that I didn't want to be and even while I was doing it being like I don't want to be this person I don't want to create these situations and hurt people but you do because you're a fucked up monster kid running around you know so
2: I think that empathy is the way out though I think mm-hmm. that people acknowledging that um, or you know if you say the word pedophile or if you say the word rapist or if you say all these shitty words there's almost like a shutdown mm-hmm. and I think that that shutdown, or the not talking about it or um or you know berating people who have empathy for those people as opposed to like trying to make them functioning members of society. Yeah, I think that's the. the it's cut not off. A,
0: It's not a popular opinion, um, and I get a lot of flack for it, but probably because I'm part of um, at like s groups and stuff. Um, I uh, I was sexually assaulted by a male comedian, and um, later the scene he's a part of came to me and said, "How do you you know we're going to ban him from comedy? He can't do comedy any, anymore." And I was like, "If you start kicking out um, sexually compulsive people and abusers out of comedy, you're going to have a really empty playing field very fast. You know, like there are so many damaged people in our industry that like, like even the people you really love, sometimes you hear terrible stuff about. So I recommended that if you find out, if, if you scenes, and also because if you kick those guys out, women are not going to come forward. You know, women are not going to feel comfortable and safe coming forward knowing somebody's going to be kicked out of something. So I I recommended that they come up with like a treatment plan for people where you put people on a probation of six months to a year while they seek treatment for, um, like do sexual harassment classes, get addiction treatment, and go to counseling. And if people really do that stuff and show improvement then allow them back into the scene sort of with supervision to me and knowing like okay we need to keep an eye on this person and make this behavior not okay and not acceptable anywhere um, and I and I know not everybody's crazy about that because it's uh, it's not fuck these, you know, fuck these guys uh-huh. fuck off you don't get to be a part of it but like you it's a real problem and you have to sort of create a real solution for it I think well the only people that are gonna
1: really be hurt are those girls that come forward right like if if you if you go tell on somebody, that's how other people are going to see it. And they're going to be like, "Fuck you, Emma. You can't
0: handle it. Like, yeah, what really happened? What were you doing?" Yeah, that's that's not or, fun. Or or like, um, the, after that happened, and and that's what I recommended for him. And he did, to his credit, he did a lot of that work and stuff. But I had a lot of people in his scene be like, you know, you you guys owe each other an apology. You guys should apologize to each other because you know, like he he hurt you. He sexually assaulted you, but you hurt his career, you know, like you, you need to think about what your, your wrong in this is. And I was like, no, 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 that's not. So I, I think like being able to just treat those guys and, and acknowledge the problem would also create a lot more empathy for the victims of things that were, instead of being like, you ruined a person's life. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, good. Thanks for coming forward and letting us know this was an issue. Okay, wait, so a
1: lot of your stand-up seems to be honest. You, you joke about all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so after a show, do people come up, like, guys come up to you, women come up to you, what do people say after you tell these really fucking honest jokes about this stuff?
0: Uh, I do, I what I said about, like, I really do get a lot of special needs parents like who, who have kids mm-hmm. with uh, disabilities come up and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for talking about this and making it funny because it's so taboo. Um, I get a I do get a lot of um, women coming up and just being like, Oh my god! Thank you so much for the shut the fuck up joke. I loved that so much. That's amazing. Um, and I don't know. I just get a lot of sort of mom stuff because I think uh, there's like a weird like mom comedy. You're not expected to talk about sex and stuff like that and enjoying sex. So probably a lot of that.
1: Yeah, I thought that when I was scrolling through your Twitter and Facebook today, I was like, "Damn, there's pictures of her kids," and she's like. Talking about dick or funny things, <laughs> and you're hot for a mom. Like,
0: <laughs> thank you. You're a milf.
2: Thank I want to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So, question: in your when you're writing erotica, like, what are your favorite things to write about? Well,
0: I don't write it anymore. Um, okay, used to. Yeah, yeah. I used to. Um, well, I. So when I started, um, because my publisher told me, uh, look, if you want to make money and you want to do this, because I was, you know, an artist, so mm-hmm. I wasn't making any money. He was like, if you want to make good money, you have to focus on certain genres, which are the most popular, which are uh, BDSM and stuff like of that nature. So I'm, I kind of researched first and I looked to see which genres w- um, were the most popular but the most underrepresented. And um, that was the bondage and BDSM, like all that kind of stuff. And then I just started like I started just frantically writing and I would just write. Uh, it's through the Amazon Singles program. so it would be like four, thousand to seven thousand words. I charge four dollars for one little piece. And then I just started I just started throwing things at every genre and then seeing what sold the best and then focusing on those genres. Somebody recently tried to out me on Twitter and was like, I know you wrote erotica, you wrote porn, like, you, you know, and, like, tried to out me, and I was like, oh, I'm super public about that. And uh-huh. the guy was like, I know that you wrote pseudo-intest spanking porn. You're a fucking disgusting person. And I was like, that was my best-selling genre, which says more about y'all <laughs> than it does me, you know? Like, like I would do, I would do, gro- I always did only consensual, all grown-up, and, um, and nothing, you uh, like grossly degrading to either sex or gender. But uh, yeah, it was the shit that was the grossest. Like the, sometimes I would write a story and finish it and be like, I don't know, <laughs> and I would send it to my publisher and be like, I don't, I don't feel good about this. I feel, I don't know. I feel maybe like this is too far. And then that would sell like fucking crazy. Every time I was like too far, too far. It is was so good. Is
2: it true so that, that like Utah is the largest? Yeah, it's like, the cons- largest like, consumer. the largest consumer of pornography. Of porn. Yeah, Whoa. and the, those are the things that drive me crazy. It's it's not that you and, are religious. And,
0: the UK loves Emma uh, Arnold's porn. The UK loves, oh, loves yeah. Emma Arnold's porn. <laughs> They're free.
2: Yes. Yeah, but there's something so funny to me. There's something, there's not something funny at all about people downloading porn. I'm like, get at it. Like, watch as much of it as you can. Of course, all in or sort read, of. Or, or read. Or read. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but the idea. Hotter. <laughs> way hotter to read it. I think so. But the, the idea of like the hypocrisy of it is, yeah. I think, the. It is. The, it's,
0: it's very wild. Um, because, like, like I said, like that guy was trying to call me out and be like, you're going to be super ashamed of this. And I was like, why would I be ashamed of it? Like, I, I'm making money off of it, you know. And um, actually, my ex-father-in-law, uh, my ex-husband's dad, owned legal brothels in Nevada. Um, and the most clientage they had was from Utah because they were right across the border. And most, most of them were Salt Lake City Mormons coming over to get a little side piece and then to head home again. so Okay, wait. Can we talk about that for a second? Did you ever go there? Yeah. Oh, I worked the bar a few times. Like not...
1: Thank oh, you. Oh, that's so I sweet. need water so bad.
0: Oh, no. I have, I have a bottle. Um, Thank you.
1: I, since childhood, have been obsessed with strippers and whores. Always. <laughs> Always have been. I've read books about them. I think it was my dream to be a stripper at one point. Like, I dressed up as... Hall- I'm not kidding. My mom let me dress up as a stripper for Halloween. My best friend's dad... <laughs> my best friend's dad she's here right now he manages a strip club i wanted to go when i was 18 i'd be like please let me in he wouldn't do it when i was 21 i got to go in you better believe i like grinded on him i was like is this an audition i wish <laughs> he said if we have plus size night you're on stage i would do it but i would be obsessed i mean i've read like memoirs of girls
0: there and like how it feels but really when you're in there what's it feel like okay so I also um was obsessed with that because of best little whorehouse in Texas Dolly Parton and so I had this idea that it was going to be just like that probably lots of singing um (laughs) oh
1: my god and I went down I was like
0: outfits probably lots of feathers oh my god it's gonna be amazing uh and instead it was uh mostly a lot of older women um with truckers uh it was it's the building that they had was an older building and each of the girls has their own room the decor is a little sad and like um the whole thing was a little like oh this looks like a job (laughs) this looks like a fucking job you know and I was like oh I thought you know I I thought I expected like more fantasy when really it was just fucking you know like people came because they were lonely or horny and they came for 20 minutes and then they left again you know and would they like, hit oh. on you behind the bar? Oh, tons, tons. Um, and there's so there's like a book. Like when a customer comes in, there's a book with the girl, the current girls there, and they can flip through. And um, and so this is an unkind, and I apologize to sex workers everywhere. I love what you do. You're wonderful people. The place where that my ex father-in-law owned, um, we called it the Donosaurs because oh. it, because it was women. Some of the women that were in their sixties and. Um, were like were from oh, they were so smart they would they would they lived in South America a lot of the girls and then they would fly up work for three months fly home and they, with a shitload of money um, but some of them had so much work done but they were just fucking working like they didn't give a shit but a lot of the places like you age out obviously but not Donna's um, you could work as long as your legs could carry you to Nope, just lay down. I mean, uh, <laughs> but um, so then the guys would be flipping through the book, and, and it just depended on who was working. Like sometimes it was younger girls, sometimes older, and they'd be flipping through, and they'd be like, uh, "Are you are you working tonight?" <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm just a bartender. And they're like, "I have seven hundred dollars, but I never no, I never never did. So I don't th- I don't think I really could, but I mean.
1: I think I might like put myself in that position if I ever had the choice like to line up like at Cat House. I oh, think. yeah. They line up. I mean, yeah. So
0: then they they ring the bell and all the girls come up and yes, line up. I want to do that. At yeah. And they uh, play okay. like a I don't shitty know outfit if on. I'll like sleep with the
2: person, but I definitely want to be line in that up. lineup.
1: Yeah. I could not sleep with them. I would like lay. I, I don't know. 700. <laughs>
2: 700. I'm not rich. 20 minutes. I always so think
1: of
0: this. So that's for 20 minutes.
2: I always you think you anything of- for 20 minutes. <laughs> anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You can live their
2: 20 <laughs> You can. Yeah. I, I honestly I, I don't know if you guys do this, but I keep like giving myself amounts of money on which I would do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean like if somebody offered me like how much? Like five hundred dollars, would I like suck their penis, right? And then I think to <laughs> She's myself like say it like that too, suck their penis. Yeah. yeah. And and then you I think to around. myself, Ropes. like, well, I start like itemizing, like how much time it would take to suck a penis, and like, what it, I all the thoughts that would go through my brain, like, oh, this doesn't taste good. Like, who is this person? Like, where am I? Is this like a nice place? Is it gonna take me 15 minutes? And then I think, okay, I'm getting paid like, you know, like I don't know, 150 dollars an hour. That's pretty good. <laughs> And then, but then I do this thing where I'm like, no, that's too little. That's too much. So I go like a thousand and then I do the item as list all over again. And I think to myself like, okay, maybe I would suck a dick for a thousand (laughs) dollars. But then the thing that gets in the way really is like, am I somebody who would suck a dick for a thousand dollars? Like, am I that person? (laughs) And I think I am. No, I'm just (laughs) joking. Um... No, I, I don't know what the amount of money it would. I mean, like, if somebody offered you like a hundred thousand dollars to suck a penis, like I,
0: I keep thinking. Uh, I'll just be on record that if you need me to suck your dick for a hundred thousand yeah. dollars, I'm phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I'm worth a hundred thousand dollars for a blowjob. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I saw
2: some hands go up by the way. I'm like, <laughs> yeah.
0: like at least do it. Sweet. All right. Let's do a little bidding more here. 200000 Do two hundred thousand?
2: Oh my god, a suck penis auction off. Oh. I love
0: that.
1: I like in your fantasy that somebody is willing to pay you money to suck their dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they are. People on Tinder will do it for free, you know? So she's talking about herself. I
2: love that. Yeah.
0: Um, what is it, seven. though? What is your number? Now I need oh, to know. I actually,
2: I think it may be $100,000. Okay. And I think to myself, it's only so I can say I make six figures. Six what if somebody was like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody was like $90,000, you would be all, I can't no. do that. Mm-hmm. No,
2: I'm doing it for the, for the number, like for the idea of it. You <laughs> know? It's all a negotiation. They have that extra 10000 If
1: they, they have $90,000, you, <laughs> 90,
2: you
0: do. They're good for it. Yep. yeah absolutely and the extra 10,000 you get the finger in the butt that's oh. what the other 10,000 you just put you it just, up it's there it's like it's your upselling it's like you're
2: just <laughs> <laughs> as a, a former bartender at a strip bar yeah that's, you're always upselling
0: yeah. so yeah that's Ooh. perfect that joke deserves so much more laughter shame yeah. on all of you shame on <laughs> you that was hey, amazing it's
1: mostly male and they're only thinking about your finger in
2: their ass right now they're like oh,
1: I should think I dip okay? it in my
2: 401k for this <laughs> I hope they me. do I hope they do um, so uh, we're at Come and Take it right now, and um, you know, Houston is such an interesting comedy scene. I wonder, Have you been to Houston before, or yeah. is this your first time here?
0: No, I was here uh, a couple months ago, two months ago.
2: Of the shows, because Houston seems to be kind of like a like a troll under the bridge that people just kind of walk from Austin oh, over the it. bridge yeah, <laughs> to New Orleans, kind of. And mm-hmm. we're just again the troll under the bridge. Um, so I'm always glad when shit happens here. But how do do you find that Houston audiences differ from other from other audiences at all?
0: You know, in a weird way, um, like when I was here like a a couple years ago, I had a harder time, but I was also, I was less confident and all of that too. Um, I so I don't know if it's me or you guys who have changed. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I did the last time I was here, I felt like the audience was like maybe because you said like you don't get it, everybody doesn't stop here, but the audiences are very grateful like very excited to have something fun to do, very grateful, like very fun and super laughy. so I like coming here like I, I, it's like a fun um, and I feel like something like. The, the first time I came here, there was a much older crowd that we worked for. So maybe that had something to do with it. But every crowd I've been here since has been a much younger crowd, like more like a Portland or Houston kind of like. So maybe something is changing in your city where you're kind of having more arts or something. So. I hope so. I think, I think so. I think there's a rise of comedy here, right? Secret group, uh, you
1: know, improv's taking off. I think everything is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of art DIY happening
0: here. Mm-hmm.
2: So tell me in, in you live in your you live with your boyfriend right now? Yeah. So it's you in San. it's you and then the six children. Yep. And tell me about your children.
0: Okay, so uh, I have three boys, Calvin, Henry and Arthur, and they're 7, 10 and 12. And um, like I said, on stage, my oldest is autistic. Um, And then I have two, I have three stepkids, two girls who are 16 and 10. And then one boy who is also, oh, he just turned 13. So yeah. So there's a good like seven to 16 spread there.
2: I feel like if I was that age and i and like I had gotten and my parents had gotten married to like a new person and um, they were older than me and they were boys or they were girls, I would have like that ideal thing in mind where I'm like, this is my life partner like this, <laughs> these I, we already live together um, Your I new already brother. yeah I'd be okay. like, this is my new boyfriend mm-hmm. I feel I, like
0: they they actually pushed back from that because like my two ten year olds are a boy and a girl and um I feel like because there's, like, that, like, you're a boy, you're a girl, they are just, like, okay, never speak again, and, like, they're (laughs) the only two who don't get along, but not, like, in an overt, like, fighting, they just never make eye contact, they're just both, like, okay, well, you're you're a different gender, I don't like that, so, but everybody else gets along, yeah, everybody else gets along really well.
2: I remember uh, I've been I was talking to Stacy about this recently. I remember being 16 and thinking that after this one party, time and space were just a cliff of darkness that I couldn't really like think about or see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my mom telling me that she was going to pick me up at 10:30 instead of midnight, and I thought I was going to die. Like the reality of being yeah. 16 and thinking you're going to die because oh you can't stay for two extra hours at a party is something I remember so clearly. And I, now I can see that it was, I could see the party as like a beacon in my future of like a week after, you know, in a week. And that's my future. And right after that party, I just couldn't think of my life. I couldn't think of my family. I couldn't think of anything except for being picked up two hours later.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, um, So I had three boys, so I wasn't, like, prepared, because I have three sisters, so I, and we were all teenagers at the same time, uh, my poor parents, and I, so I was like, oh, thank God, I never have to go through that, like, I never have to do the teenage girl thing, and now I have a teenage girl, and I'm like, what, no, this is so crazy, like, it's so different and difficult, um, and everything is so, uh, like, melodramatic and and hard all the time. And I I feel a million fucking years old with her. Like recently she got in trouble and I was like, you know, give me your phone. I'm gonna look through it. And I was like, I don't know what any of these apps do. So (laughs) I scrolled for a while with like a frown and was like, this is very disappointing just to cover my bases just in case but she had all this all this shit on there that I was like keek I don't know what this is I don't know what that's for I have no idea what anything is it's for it's for sex probably oh god damn it it's like <laughs> actually, she, I don't know she, she's a lesbian you know she came out to us I feel bad for her in a way because like she came out to us as a lesbian and we were like cool and then she came out to us and she was like you know I'm a severe depressive and we were like okay well we'll get you help for that and then she was like okay well also I'm a witch um, <laughs> she's everything and we were like, "Rad! We support your belief system. What do you need? Like fennel? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which stuff." And I feel bad for her because I feel like there's, like, nothing... For a while, there was, like, nothing she could do to push back, like, nothing to rebel, because we're really pretty open and liberal, and she was just, like, ugh. But she fucking found something, and that was... this. There's this weird movement within the teenage girls, like, teenagers, um, where there's, like, glamorized... Uh, cutting like uh, like they glamorize like self-violence and there's like Mm -hmm. all these Tumblr pages so she started cutting herself like very shallow but like posting pictures on Instagram and posting all these pictures everywhere and um, we went to her counselor we were so scared and she's like oh all these dumb fuckers are doing that And she was really like very unconcerned and like, yeah, it's a thing. It's like the only way they have to rebel right now because they can't. And I was so upset with her. I'm like, can't you just fucking smoke pot like a normal person? Like, <laughs> I was so prepared to act like I was upset about her smoking pot. And then instead I find all these fucking Instagram pictures of her like with razors and stuff and I'm like, gross, what are you doing? Yeah, Wait, go fuck crazy. someone. I don't know the age difference between us, but that was cool when
1: I was a kid too. Oh. Like a 12 year old girl. Sixteen, whatever, cutting yourself by, you know, like angsty, right? Yeah. I just wasn't cool, and I was not gonna hurt myself.
2: <laughs> I would escape to the beach for days at a time um. without telling my parents, <laughs> which is so shitty. Is I would be like. Here's my mother's credit card at, like, 15 or sixty. I was so shitty to my parents. Yeah. And, and they're not particularly conservative, but the whole, like, not knowing where your child is for over 48 hours apparently is, like, not kosher with them.
1: Very not kosher.
0: Cool. <laughs> no.
2: They're like, where are you? And I'm laughing drunk on a beach in Venezuela, which sounds great, but I was in 16-year-old pain.
0: Yeah. My, oh. my, my boyfriend went, like... He was very upset when we found out, and um, and like was really like so kind of devastated that he had done this. Like he was like, "Did I do a bad job?" You know. And I was like, "Just just so we're sort of clear, when I was thirteen, I was banging thirty-year-olds. So you know, maybe the whole cutting yourself thing is a good thing. You yeah. know, like maybe that's just an expression for now, and she'll move on to poetry. You know, like you do. <laughs> she definitely will move on. She to will poetry. for sure. It'll be a smooth. She actually yeah. joined. Uh, she's uh, in a punk band now. See, um, this is fucking good. great. It's an outlet. That's yeah. not her skin. That, I basically I sat her down and gave her the like this. You're not a feminist. Um, if you're taking society's shittiness towards you and turning it on yourself, you need to turn it back on society. And then she joined a punk band. So I feel like Dude, that, that was a feminist some good mom right there. Yeah. I would do that. My niece is doing the same thing. And I was just like,
1: yeah, I don't believe it. You
0: know? <laughs> it you is look- hilarious to me because she's so mad. She's so angry and I'm like, "You are such an upper middle class privileged white girl. You have literally nothing to be mad about." Yep. Um, but she's so like, "I've been so oppressed because I'm a lesbian." I'm like, "No, you haven't. Not you yet. don't even know oppression." Yeah. Like, my aunts were gay in the 80s in fucking Idaho. Like, I grew up with what it looked like to be oppressed, you know. And with but it's so funny with her cuz she's like you know, some somebody called me queer the other day and and somebody said the word tranny in front of me and I'm like, those things suck and that's not okay. But also, things were way fucking worse and so many people have done so much to improve the situation of women and and minorities and you know, and I'm just like, you need to see your fucking privilege, bitch. I don't say that. <laughs> I don't say that. I just write it on a note in her lunchbox and just <laughs> <laughs> a little
1: note. That's perfect. Um, okay. So we are going to wrap up. Okay. Now, uh,
0: thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. You're like the best get we could get. Well, you you guys are lovely and you're both so smart and beautiful. And this is a wonderful podcast. I hope you keep doing it. Thank you so much for being here, Emma. We really appreciate it. Thank you to come and take it to
2: beta theater, Jeremy Barber. I love you, Stacey Daniels. You're the most amazing person ever. Um, and thank you guys to our audience. Uh, For being here, we love you and we will see you next time, okay? Okay.
1: Yeah.